Hey there, this is food writer Jamie Lewis, welcoming you to another episode of The Consumed Podcast, where I hold candid and casual conversations with people across California's central coast, the ones who put food on our plates and drinks in our glass. I'm so glad you're here. Before we get to this episode's guest, I want to share a word from Consumed Sponsors. We all know eating fruits and veggies is an important part of staying healthy. Fresh, local produce has the most flavor and nutrition, but how do you know what's in season locally? Become part of the Tally community as a member of the Tally Farms Box Program. Tally grows their produce and partners with other California farmers to include the freshest and best-tasting local produce you can find anywhere. Farming on the Central Coast since 1948, the Tally family created the Tally Farms Box to make healthy eating easy and affordable. Here's how it works. Select which size box you want, then choose pickup or home delivery and how often you want to get your box. It's flexible for customization and vacation holds, and included in all boxes are tested recipes and storage recommendations. Come be a part of Tally's healthy lifestyle. Visit tallyfarmsbox.com and use promo code CONSUMED for $10 off your first box. That's promo code CONSUMED for $10 off. Eat fresh, eat local, and eat lots of California fruits and veggies for better health. Slow Life Magazine also sponsors the Consumed Podcast. Slow Life looks at what's going on in San Luis Obispo including the arts, real estate, business, and the people impacting culture here. For the magazine, I just wrapped up writing my food column about the restaurant Pekin Coastal Cocina in Pismo Beach, where I ate swordfish tacos dusted with house-made savory pop rocks. What? So fun, so new, and so fizzy. To read all about it and much more, get your copy at slowlifemagazine.com. So I recently read The Full Belly Files, which is written by a consumed alum, wine writer Matt Ketman in Santa Barbara. And who should he be writing about but none other than Santa Maria Valley vintner James Onaveros of Ranchos de Onaveros Vineyards, another consumed alum and sponsor of this podcast. About James, Matt wrote, Ontiveros is a wealth of fascinating information, whether of the region's lore, his cowboy days, or his outlook on the future challenges of the wine industry. I'm hoping he'll agree to be a cover story one day. Hmm, I'm hoping the same. Thank you to James Onaveros for keeping the history and heritage of the Central Coast alive and well through his wines at Ranchos de Onaveros. And thank you to Matt Ketman for recognizing a good cover story when he sees it. To learn more about Ranchos de Onaveros' burgundy-centered Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, visit ranchostayonaveros.com. Okay, on to the episode. If you see an evocative photo of food with lots of color and depth, you may very well be looking at one of Mary Legere's photos. Mary's work has appeared in multiple print publications, and several of her clients include the Magnolia Network, The Infatuation, Hungry Root, and King Arthur Baking. But her background isn't in photography or media. Actually, it's in computer engineering. I loved chatting with Mary about her natural engineering and math-minded qualities, the way the pandemic made several good decisions for her, and she even gave some tips on how to take good food photos with a smartphone, hopefully without driving everyone around you crazy. Here is food photographer Mary Legere. You've done a lot of traveling. I have, yeah. I think compared to a lot of people, I've had the opportunity to travel a lot. Yeah. 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 What what gave you the bug? Like, what was your first time going overseas? Or um, going, you know, 
going across a border. I think my, I mean, besides like little trips to Mexico growing up, my first big international trip um, was right after I graduated college. I went to Italy by myself for two weeks. (gasps) I Um, did that. Yeah. And Mm. it was just a time, actually all my girlfriends were getting married right out of college Mm. and I was a bridesmaid in about six weddings in like a single year. And I was like, gosh darn it, I'm going to do something for myself. (laughs) Um, So I decided to travel and go to Italy. Um, And I've always just been captured, well, one, by food Mm -hmm. and um, the food cultures abroad, but just by, I love the atmosphere of places. It's one Mm -hmm. of the reasons I do hospitality in addition to food. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just love soaking in the atmosphere of gorgeous locations. Um, And I mean, luckily there's plenty of that here, but also around the world. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Well, and it sounds like you grew up in a really beautiful location. You say you grew up in Petaluma, which is like... Gorgeous. So beautiful. I can't say that I appreciated it at the time because high schoolers are the worst. But (laughs) um, looking back, I'm like, dang, I, yeah, grew up in an amazing place. Um, I love to go back now, especially now that I can drink wine and like pay for nice food. But at the time, I definitely didn't realize the benefit of where. Nobody yeah. does. Yeah, no one does. Nobody <laughs> does. Um, are your, is your family still up there? Yeah, my parents live up there. Um, the rest of my extended family is from the Midwest. I was actually mm-hmm. born in Illinois, but oh. moved out to Petaluma when I was three. So consider myself a California girl. You are. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you for sure are. Um, but yeah, my parents are still up there. They own a small toy and hobby shop. What? Yeah. <laughs> so entrepreneurism is definitely in the family. That's so great. What Do they have certain kinds of toys? Do they have like wooden toys or is it um, all kinds all of sort, toys? All sorts of toys and all sorts of hobbies. Um, it's like traditional hobbies mm-hmm. plus modern hobbies like remote control. Yep. But then also, you know, the plastic car models, models and trains yes. and planes with the, you know, little tiny paint bottles and um so yeah it is very old school but they have the new school stuff too so a little bit of everything for everyone so your dad has a background in architecture Mm -hmm. and you have this strong background in photography and then they own this this um toy and hobby shop I mean there's something there there's like a thread there right yeah I think my dad actually and I have had similar career paths Mm -hmm. um he started in architecture And I think he worked his way out of architecture into more corporate jobs. Mm -hmm. I'm not exactly sure, like, what he did at every single job. Um, He worked as the head technical writer for AutoCAD at one point. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And then I think he moved on to some other, like, tech software companies. Or I believe he was in charge of training employees. He's very good at Mm -hmm. leading people. Mm -hmm. I don't know that it related to architecture. Um, But I think he got to a point where he was burnt out like working for other people. So he jumped into opening his own business. Um, And I did something similar. I started as a software engineer after I graduated college. That's my husband. He's a software engineer. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And I only recently, I'm coming up on two years owning my photography business as Mm. my like primary source of income. So yeah, very similar career paths there. Why'd you get out of it? Well, how about this? Yeah. Why'd you get into it? Yeah. Um, So I guess my genesis story with photography and software engineering is I studied graphic communications at Cal Poly. Mm. Um, Building 39. Yes. Isn't that it? Yeah. 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 Nice. Because you taught. I did. That's the only building I've ever taught in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And my senior year, I took what did I, I web design with Lorraine. Yeah. And magazine and newspaper layout design, which were kind of like, and it ended up being two paths that I really was interested in following in the web design class. I was just really good at the coding part. Um, It came very naturally to me. I'm very math oriented. Mm -hmm. Math makes sense. It's like very safe for me. There's one answer. Um, and then <laughs> I'm laughing because that's not true because <laughs> no, it, it's tr- when you really get into it, there's like so much complexity where that's not true and creativity no comes into it. No question. But like my baby college brain math, just like that felt safer and something I was good at that a lot of people weren't good at. Yep. And that felt good. It's a superpower. I'm convinced. Yeah, yeah. it really is. Yeah. Um, but then in my magazine design class, I chose to design a food magazine. Hmm. Um, and the thing there was we had to find like images to use in our magazine. And I couldn't find any food images that were high enough resolution to print at hmm. 300 DPI. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I saw a few images I wanted. I was like, I can make that image. Like, my roommate has a nice camera. Oh, you didn't even have a camera. No, I didn't have a camera. Wasn't interested in photography at all. Um, We had taken, like, an intro digital photography class for the major, but um, it didn't really... Yeah, it wasn't something that had stuck with me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I had wanted I wanted this picture specifically, and I was like, I can recreate that. I'll figure it out. So I took my very first food photograph and put it in the magazine. Um, and looking back on it now, it's a terrible photo. What was it of? <laughs> it was of chocolate chip cookies, Okay. Um, which I have like a recipe I'm well known for among my friends for chocolate chip cookies. Why? What's special about this recipe? God, so, we're going deep. I know. We're going, going deep, deep fast, Mary. All the little crevices. Um <laughs> I don't know. I was bored during summer in between years of school one year, and I just became fixated on making a better chocolate chip cookie recipe than yeah. what was on the back of the Toll House recipe. Uh, well, any uh, kind of anything is better than that. Yes. It's, that's not, there are people who feel very passionately about that cookie, and that's fine. Yes. I just don't. Right. I, it's flat. Yeah. <laughs> and kind of weepy. Yeah. Uh, but I like a loftier. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a denser yes. cookie, but I I also like it smooth. And I have a friend mm-hmm. who makes it very crumbly, but it okay. manages to still to be chewy. It's like, yeah, I mean that is her superpower. Yeah, she makes the gnarliest chocolate chip. Yeah. Cookies. So what is yours? What's Mine your is preference? Very dense. Mm-hmm. Um, I like soft. Um, not a lot of crunch Same. to it. Like. You could probably drown someone if you put these cookies in their pockets and threw them in the river. Like, <laughs> I like a, I like a cookie, you Death know. Um, cookie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so pretty dense cookies, and it doesn't take much tinkering with the Toll House recipe yeah. to get something better. Um, but you yeah. know, I was nineteen, twenty. No one my age really was doing that. So then, no. among my friends, I just was the cookie girl. Right. Um, okay, so you took pictures of these cookies, and yeah. why were they bad? Why were the pictures bad? Oh, just I'm looking back compared to what I can do now. Yeah. I think they were good, you know, compared to someone who didn't know anything about food photography. But, um, yeah, so I put them in my magazine, and everyone in the class loved them. They thought the images were great. Um, so, yeah, that was my senior year, and I kind of had to decide, did I want to, like, pursue art as a career after college? Um I love print publishing, so, like, the magazine industry really interested me. Because you're a glutton for punishment. Yes. Because you like to be sad. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But 
also, I didn't know anything about that industry. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anyone who knew anything about that industry. And so it felt very mysterious. It felt very far away in New York. I yeah. didn't know. Opaque, can't yes, get in. Exactly. Yes. Um, and then my other alternative was I also was really loving, you know, developing websites and coding. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of talked about it with my parents and, um, you know, I had student loans and I kind of came to the decision that coding would probably pay off my loans a lot faster. Yep. And, <laughs> and, di- and was that true? It was true. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was really fortunate to, I worked at Really Right Stuff, the tripod company yes. for a hot second. With that very random logo in that yes. spot on High Garrett. Yes. Um, so the yin I and was, yang where we're like, really right stuff. What is this I know, this place? like straight out of the 80s almost. <laughs> it could, you could have been making and selling anything for all yes, we knew. Yeah. I know. Um, I was there for a hot second doing graphic design while I was um, applying for software jobs. And then I was lucky enough to get a position at what was formerly Rosetta. Now they're yeah. like Publicis Sapient, I think. Um, they don't even know. They don't even know. I have it friends should, who work there yeah, and they're like... Yeah, depends on what part of the building you're in. Yeah. yeah. Um, but a powerful uh, company. Yes. It really has powerful. kick-started so many careers. Right, yeah. Especially creative ones here yeah. on the Central Coast, which is really cool. Um so, yeah, I was there kind of during their heyday mm-hmm. um, when things were just, like, rising straight up, which was fun. It was a fun place to, like, start my career. And that was a design job? That was a software job. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. So I got hired as a front-end software engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's see. So that's how I got into software. And I met my husband at that job. Um, eventually, as a lot of software engineers do, we wanted to try and make it in Silicon Valley. Yeah. So we moved to San Francisco for, um, I think we were there for two years and then in San Mateo County for two years. What year was this? What time? We moved, let's see. I think we moved in 2016. Oh, very recent. Yeah. Yeah. Not, okay. Yeah. To San Francisco. Right. Um, and then our, so up until 2019, I was in software engineering. Mm. Um, I had eventually left Rosetta and joined a startup um, in downtown San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And my husband is also a software engineer. Um, he had jumped around a few places and he was at Google. Mm. Um, and we were both just kind of, I wouldn't say burning out with tech, but we didn't have that drive to like climb and if the you're tech not, ladder. sorry to interrupt, but yeah. I, my husband is, uh, he works for a company, um, remotely that's okay. based in San Mateo County. Okay. And his industry is so fascinating. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it really so, is. I mean, just like you, you throw a stick anywhere and it hits somebody doing something absolutely incredible up yeah. there. Um, but something he has noticed is if you are a software engineer and you love your job, like you love to get your hands in there and really like code mm-hmm. and do the problem solving work. Yeah. That often is not enough because you're not climbing. Right. You can't actually enjoy the work of what you're doing unless you have, you're scheming to go to a higher level. And a lot of the time what that means is management. Yeah. And if you don't want to be a manager, mm-hmm. I mean, not everybody's cut out. If you have the no. skills to be a software engineer. Right there's a really good chance you don't have the skills to be a manager. Right. Which is a whole other conversation. Of course. I like really neatly actually fit into having the skills to be a manager and really understanding 
software engineering. I wouldn't say I was in love with it, but mm-hmm. I was good at it mm-hmm. good enough that I think management would have been a great fit for me um, if I had stayed in the industry. And we need, yeah, you, the industry needs to hire more people like me. <laughs> yeah. We, get, <laughs> we always being need. being in those roles. Yes, for um, sure. But the climbing, I guess I'm just thinking of yeah. like the, it's just a constant hustle. Yeah, it is a constant hustle. And people hustle. are pinging around between one, they, they're with a company for a year or two and then they ping over to another mm-hmm. one and it's just a lot of, it's a lot of moving parts. It's a lot of churning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we just weren't feeling like that San Francisco buzz to mm-hmm. like be at the top. And we were just kind of a little tired of it. Um, so our plan had actually been, and we <laughs> got started on this plan. So all of 2019, we saved aggressively our income. Um, and at the beginning of 2020, we quit our jobs. We broke our apartment lease. We packed up and we were supposed to travel for all of 2020. I'm seeing where this is going. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, big adventure of a lifetime, you know, nine, ten months out on the road, um, just exploring the world. Um, and we got started. We got six weeks to travel in. And then the pandemic just like shut everything down where were you when you when you heard the second shoe drop on um we were in thailand Mm -hmm. we had tried to outrun it in a sense um we were in south america when southeast asia was at its worst Mm -hmm. and then it kind of hopped over to europe and north america but at one point southeast asia was looking a little better you Mm -hmm. know after the initial wuhan infection things had started dropping it looked like maybe people were recovering so we were like, okay, let's just get over to Thailand. We'll quarantine. We chose Phuket because it's got great uh, medical tourism. So we were oh. like, if we get sick, we're somewhere that has so great smart. hospitals. And beaches, you could be outside. Did and you- beaches. Phuket is beaches, Yeah, right? and affordable to like yes. lay up for a while. Um, but then North America started getting crazy scary. Um, this was when the borders from Europe to the United States were closing. Um And then Southeast Asia started to look bad. The cases started ticking up. It was clear we probably weren't going to be enjoying ourselves if we stayed. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the final nail in the coffin was the State Department kind of put out a memo to travelers abroad. um, And that, you know, they have a rating system when you travel. Something's level four. It usually means the country is in an active state of, like, terrorism. Don't visit. Mm -hmm. They put the whole world at a level four, and they kind of said, if you don't come back now and you get in trouble, we're not helping you. And you kind of (laughs) always... This is very privileged, but as an American, you kind of always assume you have a little bit of your government's protection while like you're Like if you abroad. go into the embassy, you picture the action movie where you just get to the embassy and no one can hurt you. Right. You know, that kind of thing. Well, the embassy doors are locked Yeah. Shut. So there was just something like very, Aww. yeah. So we decided to come back and that was, I think, early April of 2020. Okay. Um, so we came back, uh, we came, we flew into San Francisco. So we quarantined there in an Airbnb for two weeks. Mm. And then we were like, you know what? We don't have any ties to the city anymore. We have no idea what's going to happen work-wise, but it'll probably be remote. Mm-hmm. Let's go to slow. Um, mm-hmm. It had always been our dream eventually to make our way back to San Luis Obispo. We didn't think it would be this soon, yeah. but um, yeah. So we came back here. And I thought, you know what? We have this like travel fund that we didn't actually end up spending. Maybe this is my time to give photography a shot. 
Hmm. So you had not been taking photos up until this point. So that is the other thing. I had always been practicing food photography specifically as a hobby. Mm. Um, I had a food blog for a little while, hated the blogging part, loved the photography part. It's funny. Um, And then while I was in San Francisco at my software job I actually had been doing work for the infatuation doing like restaurant photography reviews I love those guys yeah they had randomly found like my food blog aren't they eats yes yeah yeah (laughs) exactly how many e's yes a little a little too many e's um but they had randomly reached out and were like hey do you want to take like photos of restaurants and I was like yeah, that, you, you know, that's, that's like awesome. a fun hobby and I'll get paid a little bit. I get a lot of free food while I'm there. Yeah. Um, so that was my first official food photography job. But wow. I had quite a bit of a portfolio built up um, and some new travel photos mm-hmm. to add to it. Um, yeah, so I just decided to take the leap and try food photography out in the middle of a global <laughs> pandemic. Gosh. So, um, I mean, there's so many stories like that, right? Of yeah. People just being it is like, amazing. Welp. Yeah. 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 Really amazing. Um, and but I'm, that's starting with the infatuation and them reaching out to you is a pretty good beginning. It is. It is a really good beginning, especially because it's like, it's low risk. I mean, the first shoot I went to, I was so nervous. Of course. My first paid photography shoot. Um, but it went fine. And, you know, they're like churning out content all the time. Yes. So they want nice photos. But if if it, you know, some, if the lighting's bad in a restaurant or something and the photos are okay, there's really no ramifications to that. So yeah. it was a good entry to, to client work. Yeah. Yeah. So what was this? It's so funny. I Just about like going and doing your first paid job. The first time I ever wrote a story and had to interview somebody was before... I had a cell phone. Okay. And it was Michael Pollan. Oh my gosh. That was my first paid anything. Yeah. I had to interview him. I did not have a cell phone. And so I had to use our home phone landline. I had to go to Radio Shack <laughs> to get a thing to record. Like to basically beep in and record. I can't talk about this. I don't even know what it was, but um I was like sweat. I was all pitted out, sweating, yep. just so afraid that, first of all, I was going to make an ass of myself, but second of all, that the thing wouldn't record and yep. I wouldn't do him justice. Anyway, it all worked out, but gosh, those first those endeavors first jobs, yeah. are so scary. Yeah. And I'm still like that the first time I meet with a new client, our first shoot, I'm just like sweaty mess, yep. you know, need to take a shower at the end of the day. Totally. Always goes well for the most part, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't sleep the night before. Oh, yeah, so funny. Yeah. So, what was your second job then? So, if you're doing like a content, um, I mean, I, I don't want to say it's a review, but it's pure editorial. Yeah, pure editorial. And at that point, um, I had broken ties with them when I went to travel because mm-hmm. I wasn't going to be in San Francisco, and they don't have a location here, so they weren't really like. Um, an eligible client for no, when I truly LA, started yeah, my business. So let's see. Um, so I started out, I kind of reached out to a bunch of food delivery companies. I was like, oh, you know what? Smart. They're doing pretty well during the pandemic. They need images. They're making money. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a frozen, like microwavable vegan meal company that wow. was like, yes, we do need photos. Your photos are lovely. Their their name was Vistro. So they were like my first official client. Wow. Um, so I started doing marketing work for them as well as 
product photography of their cooked meals. Mm -hmm. So they would send me like shipments of frozen vegan food. And um, my husband and I were in a short term, like month to month furnished rental and slow because this was like probably August of 2020. We weren't really sure what we were doing yet. Um, It was all just spaghetti on the wall, like figuring out what was going on. Yeah. so they were my first client and within with the little with the little apartment sorry yeah um, but like having a little space yes <laughs> that you can't control totally mm-hmm. and doing food photography those are the best shots because you have to be so smart and yeah. so scrappy and <laughs> so creative mm-hmm. it's a wonder I, I've seen lots of food photographers position and frame something and you look at it from you know an editorial standpoint and it looks like oh if you were to zoom out and see this whole room it would just be this beautiful space this big open or a picnic or whatever but in real life Mm -hmm. you look at it and it's just they're magicians yeah (laughs) and I think that that's so cool thank you yeah it's it's fun to be able to that's actually one of my favorite like Instagram stories is Showing, you know, what's in front of you and then turning around to like, but this is what my camera just captured. And it's a a lot of times just like a total difference of perspective. Yeah. Um, And making frozen food look good. And making frozen food. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Frozen vegan food. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's just. Nothing against like Not at all. (laughs) But (laughs) But when you're a photographer, you have to think about how it's going to come across. Yeah. Right. Because there is such a thing as a very unappetizing photo. Yes. Perhaps more common than otherwise. And so. Yeah, that's a tough gig. Yeah, yeah. Um, But, you know, super fortunate to, like, land my first client. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think from there, my husband and I eventually got a more permanent apartment in Slow. We had two bedrooms, so I had, like, a little more breathing Mm -hmm. room. Um, And my first couple clients, um, I did a lot of work for, like, a food blogger Mm -hmm. who wasn't taking their own photos. Um, I started working with edible slow. Mm -hmm. I reached out to them and they were still shooting during the pandemic. So, um, they had like reduced rates, but it was just nice to be out there and meeting people, um, and shooting. And yeah, so that was like my first year of 2020. Didn't make a lot of money, but like Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was able to make enough to like upgrade my camera body. I was working off of a really outdated camera body and needed to, you know, update that, um, So what do you have now? What's your rig like now? I have a Canon 5D Mark IV. I ask as though I'm going to ever understand <laughs> what you tell me, but yeah, it sounds great. Yes. It's a pretty standard like uh, commercial body, mm-hmm. um, especially if you're not shooting like huge billboard ads. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not shooting the McDonald's campaign, but it yeah. works for like most situations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's pretty good body I feel like you have a signature I feel like all photographers do of um you know if given your choice to make something to to filter something a certain way you'll make certain decisions like Mm -hmm. you know um Ali Wallace has a look to her photos and Kendra Aronson has a look to hers and Jen Olson has a look to hers and I feel like yours is crisp Mm -hmm. and kind of punched up saturation Mm -hmm. yeah um I think you do you play with shadow a lot yeah I I lift the shadows a lot yeah um 
yeah, I don't like I don't like dark and moody. It's definitely yeah. not my style. Yeah, uh, definitely vibrant vibrant colors. Yes. Um, hopefully not too oversaturated. But yeah, just punched punched yes. up. Oh, it makes things look so appealing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or. It, does it make things look appealing or does it just reflect how appealing they are? Because photography is such, I think we believe that a photo should, it that the picture should be exactly how we see it. Mm-hmm. But it rarely is. If no. I take, I mean, I'm not a photographer, but if I take my phone, I see something beautiful, I take a picture of it. It never captures how beautiful no. something really is. It really doesn't. So a photographer's gift, I think, is to make something look and as vibrant and evocative as something really is, but mm-hmm. they have tricks and yeah. things to... And a lot of that is editing, too. Yes. Um, it comes back to the editing software and spending time, you know... The camera doesn't pick up on the blues of the sky or the ocean the way that your eye does, yeah. the way that your brain interpret it, interprets it. But we can bring those colors back in post-processing. So mm-hmm. it's about, you know, knowing that you want that, spending the time to learn how to do that in editing. It mm-hmm. really is like two separate skills and hopefully bringing them together to get the image that you really want. That's so the actual shooting is one skill and the editing is another. Yeah, I think so. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. So name off some of the, the brands that you've worked for, clients you've worked for that people would recognize. Yeah. Um, King Arthur Baking Company, mm. Edible Slow, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, Cocktail Co. If you guys are they do so yeah, familiar with local companies. Um, Magnolia Network I've done work with. Yeah. Um, Infatuation SF. Wait, Magnolia Network, what did you do? Something locally? Not local. Uh, local to California. Oh, okay. Um, so, you know, they have their own little tv shows Mm -hmm. um when they send out their film crew to all these beautiful homes and hotels that they film the episode around they have a stills photographer go out and capture the same location Mm -hmm. just to use i mean it's primarily about the film uh but they need marketing materials and pr images and uh thumbnail images so i go out alongside the production mm. crew um and get to do interior photography so, yeah what? Oh <laughs> see my some gosh. really gorgeous locations yeah i bet so do you have ongoing work with them um so it's not yes i do it's not booked directly through magnolia mm-hmm. they actually book the episodes through um independent production companies and then a lot of times I've had my name given to the production company yeah. by Magnolia, um, but I've never been in direct contact yeah. with them. Yeah. Um, but the production company will reach out and be like, hey, we have an upcoming episode and your name's been given. You know, are you free yeah. that day? So That's so fun. I feel like your style is appropriate for the places and the things that mm-hmm. they like to capture. Yeah, that, I think that's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, we have our own um, Elizabeth Poet down here in Lompoc is on the – she has um, – ranch to table and that's a show on magnolia network and so yeah. i wondered if you had gone there to no shoot. i didn't do that one okay. there's a couple there was another girl who is i guess pandemic uh vacationing here sydney brown she's mm. another interior kind of food hospitality lifestyle photographer and she's actually who connected me with magnolia okay. so she might have done that work hmm. um i think i don't know if these episodes are aired but I believe she's worked with Hotel Inez mm. and Skyview mm, for such great yeah, spots. Magnolia. Yeah, wonderful spots. So but fun. There's a couple of us here that can do the work. Yeah. Well, so give maybe some tips on 
Well, no. First, tell me, <laughs> tell, tell me the difference between approaching, say, the interior of a of a lodging property versus doing like a shoot for King Arthur baking. Yeah. Um, well, the biggest difference is one is on location and one is in a studio. Mm-hmm. Um, so the location work you and especially for these magnolia episodes this is like very quick photographs like light on my feet um i'm not taking like 10 highly crafted architectural images it's more like quick paced editorial style interiors um capturing people in those spaces i do capture the um either owner or designer so there are people involved so you do have to be quick yeah and they're primarily like there to be filmed not Mm. to be captured on the stills (laughs) so um i do do portraits of the creator or or, or owner um but yeah you're you know you got to be light on your feet make quick decisions um it's more about volume and then having selects to choose from at the end of the day and paring those down and giving off of a handful of photos whereas so like king arthur that was very styled you know you have to bake the thing you're gonna make and then you're in a studio with artificial lighting for that job yeah i did the baking and the food photography and the styling because sometimes it can get very precious where there's like 16 people one person is baking the cake one person is frosting the cake one person is cutting the cake one person is wiping off the knife for the next cut I mean it's just yeah somebody's got tweezers inevitably yes Yes. yeah I I have uh yet to be on a shoot that size hopefully that's the trajectory my career is Is that what you want it is what I want I don't know how big of sets I want to get into like I have no desire at this point in time to shoot for McDonald's Mm -hmm. um I really love the editorial style imagery even if it is studio based Mm -hmm. I really want it to have that like Martha Stewart living feel or Williams Sonoma feel um but yeah working with right now uh Kendra and I do a lot of work together oh I see that as a good fit yeah yeah, we have um we shoot Hungry Root together uh here in town Mm -hmm. remotely um, and she does all the food styling. Mm-hmm. I do all the food photography. You know, I nodded and, and said, mm-hmm, but what is Hungry Root? Hungry Root is a grocery delivery company. Are they a local company? No, they're okay. like a, they're a national food oh. startup. Um, like they're in a, they have a series of investment behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, they've done super well during the pandemic. Yeah. As many grocery delivery companies have. Um, so yeah, they... They do grocery delivery, but depending on the groceries you choose, they have a lot of like super simple recipes mm-hmm. um, based on their ingredients that are like three or four ingredients. Hmm. Um, and they cool. will send you the recipes for those based on the ingredients you have. So That's cool. Yeah, super cool. Yeah. Um, so Kendra and I shoot those recipes. Very cool. Yeah, and come up with the imagery that they use on on the website. So, so it, you're behind the camera, and she's styling for the most part. Mm-hmm, exactly. Oh, fun. Yeah, it's it's great. Um, and it both like I can style or bake or cook. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to. I'd rather spend my time on the lighting and the the photo, the styling a little bit. And Kendra can shoot. She would yes. much rather be food styling. Yeah. So. Yeah, we we love working together. I she, I call her my work wife just because yeah. I see her so often, and um, she's like a perfect companion to navigate this uh, industry. That's a good with. fit. Yeah, that's a good fit. And I would see like I remember um, 
in old gourmet magazine there was a stylist i mean it's very weird to be uh like to fangirl a stylist but uh, Maggie Ruggiero. Not from my side of the table. <laughs> well, right. I and I don't. I'm not a photographer, but Maggie Ruggiero would do these unbelievable spreads where, like, okay, let's say it's for cake, a slice of cake. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't know, three quarters of it would be eaten already, and there's like crumbs and frosting and like a fork that was just in somebody's mouth, and somehow. That was so beautiful mm-hmm. between how she edited that photo, uh, the how the photographer, which I don't even know who the photographer was, but I know that Maggie Ruggiero would, would often have regular partnerships with photographers because you probably have like a shorthand. You kind of mm-hmm. know what the other person wants. And yeah. You feel free to be open and vulnerable about saying what you want. Yeah. And it's just, it's easy to problem solve with her. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about. Uh, looking unprofessional or not knowing the answer to something with her, you know, I can be like, Hey, this is, this lighting is tricky. Like, can, you know, can we talk about it? Let's Mm -hmm. like hammer it out. And And both self-taught, right? Yeah. Both self-taught. Kendra's done a lot of assisting though. Um, so she's had that benefit in the industry. I've assisted a few times for, um, photographers who are farther along in their career but for the most part I'm yeah self-taught yeah (laughs) very but that's the coolest right I think it's so cool I'm I'm hoping for more assistant opportunities um technically I I pick up on the photography technically pretty easily Mm -hmm. but there's just stuff about you know being on set the etiquette what it you know what is normal Mm. when you have a team of stylists and the client on set there's just things about running a larger set that I'm like I don't know what's normal what is industry standard and that stuff would be nice to learn from (laughs) I feel sweaty even thinking about that yeah me too etiquette is oh it's so hard I know yeah because I don't know about you but I would totally walk away from something like that and just like I would get in my car and think oh my god I just blew it I just like what did I say why did I do that yep yep those, those inner demons. <laughs> oh my gosh, learning opportunities. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's something to be said though for like little shoots where you're baking the thing and you're shooting the thing and all. there's a certain amount of control there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of nice. Are you yeah. kind of a control freak? I am definitely a control yeah. freak. Yeah. I'm type 6 on the Enneagram if that means anything to you. Like, okay, so explain that to me cuz I 6 is I think the hardest one to nail down yeah, for me. Yeah. I don't really know what it means. Um so I'm pretty high a high anxiety person. Mm-hmm. Um I would say like live well with it, but mm-hmm. I'm always thinking about the future. Um my memory for something that's coming is exquisite like if we have an event coming up I know every single detail about what is coming towards me yeah um and as soon as it's passed I forget everything yeah but it's exquisite (laughs) that's a word right there um like I I tested so well in school because my ability to retain the information for something I guess that my body or my mind perceives as like threatening is just like like, I am prepared. I would be a great doomsdayer. <laughs> like or like prepare. a prepper. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, like emergency contact, you know, right. preparer. Um, so I'm just, like, always worried about what's coming. Like, are we ready for it? What are all the different scenarios? Mm-hmm. Like, my brain is really good at 
that forward thinking, just mm. like what's coming, what's coming, what's coming. Mm. Um, and that's pretty, pretty six. <laughs> do you have the five wing? I do have the five wing. Because there's an engineer's brain. Yes, I right? do very much have, I love researching. Yeah. I love going down rabbit holes and knowing things. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, heavy, I'm almost equal, uh, split on the wing. And yeah. yet we're making eye contact and you're able to have a conversation. Yes, I am. <laughs> I do pride myself on being very social. Some fives is like, (laughs) It's true. Yeah, it is true. Um, Yes, I try and maintain that side of myself and don't let it slip. That's too funny. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a very high three. Okay. um, But I also have a very strong four in there. And so as you're talking, I'm thinking, gosh, I love to research too. I love Mm -hmm. to have my ducks in a row. I can totally wing it, but I really like to know and gather and like um, catalog mm-hmm. things. Yeah. And so it almost makes me wonder if I'm a four with a five and a, and with a three as mm-hmm. wings. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think we're all a little bit of many things. Of course. It, you can't just pigeonhole us into one, but no. Um, yes, the six tendencies do come through strong for me. Okay. Now, not to hang on this too long, but do you have any seven then? The enthusiast and like. No. Okay. <laughs> That was pretty clear. I am clear. not a party person. Not am, into fun. No, not into fun. <laughs> um, yeah, I get very passionate about my own subjects, but I am like not an enthusiastic person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wish I was. <laughs> don't you love though that you know that about yourself? I don't yeah. know. There's something really good about that. I mean, I'm just, I feel like you, especially when you get past your 20s, you're like, I'm just going to stop being sad about what I'm not. Just yeah. lean into what I am. I have my people, they know mm-hmm. that I'm like this, you know, yeah. and they still love me. So yeah, best not, best not think about it too long. No, I think as time goes by, we get better at that. I hope. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Well, so you talk about, you know, wanting to get on these bigger shoots, but you have a pretty robust life now and yeah. job. What was it like to like the day that you said, okay, I'm pulling the plug on software engineering when you, you know, I I realized that the plug kind of was pulled on you. That was, that was honestly, I think maybe the only way I would have gotten into photography because I had been considering it for a while in software. I was doing really well at my job, but I just always felt unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing was I could never, you know, you sit down with your manager and you have your one-on-one chat and it's like, where do you see yourself in five years? Um, and I never knew what to say. I was on like, a beach. I have no, yeah. Like I have no idea. I don't really care. Yeah. Like making money, uh, not too stressed out. Those were the only answers I could come up with. But mm. I was like, I don't have goals for this career, you know, and I can't pretend to make some cause that would be a lie. But, um, I was always so fearful of leaving engineering. You know, mm. the salary is a hard thing to step yes. away from. Yeah. Um, the stability, being someone who doesn't like unknowns, the unknowingness of stepping into and entering a career that's filled with unknowns just from a deliverables perspective, mm-hmm. you know. Photography is so um, subjective. Like, I don't know. It was just... <laughs> So many things about it scared me, Um, but I just couldn't bring myself, after having already been out of it, coming back from traveling and needing to figure out what I was going to do for work, I I just didn't have it in me to start looking for new jobs. Um, And it helps that the software engineering interview is not a fun 
uh, set of hoops to jump through anyway. <laughs> so I, I know like, I watched Jake study and prepare for these yeah. things and it's like wait isn't it just an interview isn't this just a conversation no oh, no <laughs> it's like a math test where everybody's watching you do the problems oh and, and like six of them that aren't actually relevant to the job you'll be performing right. for the, yeah right. it's just like jumping through the hoops yeah. yeah so all of those things helped me be like okay well I'm already in a place of risk and I've got we've got our backup you know parachute fund limit mm-hmm. maybe now's the time to try this out yes yeah. So it was just, I think, the universe prepping me and totally. pushing me in that direction. But Now, so a lot of the time, having worked for Edible and a number of different magazines, I mean, often, so, so it's writers and photographers, mm-hmm. you know. And I have found, I think that I, as a writer, am in the less desirable position because all content right now is moving away from... Uh, copy yeah and much more toward photography you know you talk about deliverables and the unknown I mean I personally from what I can tell photography is going to be okay yeah although even within photography people are like short form videos everyone's got to learn how to become a a DP a director (laughs) yeah (laughs) so even for photographers it's like do you know video um the still photograph might be dying oh okay (laughs) come to think of it if you say that I mean gosh everything is so 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 hyper digital it is yeah that why wouldn't it go toward that yeah but there's still there's nothing that's the same as a beautiful like think of a portrait exactly you don't want to see a video necessarily of someone no. you want to see a portrait so yeah I'm I'm not personally worried about it because I think there's room for both mm-hmm. I also feel that I see society burning out on short form video mm-hmm. eventually um and there's a place for it like if a restaurant needs to do marketing I do think there's a place to learn you know TikTok and reels and yeah. the short form stuff um, especially to like quote unquote beat the algorithm or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate that so much. I know. I just, I can't. I know. Yeah. It's terrible. But I kind of think of, you know, when a client, so maybe you need that stuff to get someone's initial attention or even mm-hmm. to get discovered. But if someone goes to your website and they really want to learn more about your restaurant or whatever business mm-hmm. you have, Um, They don't want to scroll through attention-grabbing, like, mind-numbing short-form content. They want photos. They want photos, and they want to actually start to engage with real information about your business. And I think that still photography, and also on the other end, like, long-form, beautiful, branded videography, that's where, like, the our skill set comes back in and it's mm-hmm. like now's the time for the higher quality stuff the yeah. stuff that you paid more money to make um the stuff that will have longevity with your business mm-hmm. like because your client is invested they're not using this content to like kind of numb themselves yeah. on their daily instagram scroll this is about <laughs> engaging with your business this is about mm-hmm. like them being human and thinking about going out to eat yes. and like or there's a product that they might incorporate into their life. That's the time for the artistry, the creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm I'm not worried about that need going yeah. away. Yeah. yeah, I for sure see that as being something that will be needed for a long time. Yeah, but I, I would imagine that was true of well-written words. You know, I don't think so. Okay, I, I hate to say <laughs> it. Um, ha- very much like you, I have clients, and then I have editorial. Mm-hmm. And editorial is always going to be 
the more fun. Yeah. I, now I say that knowing full well that without the copywriting, I would have nothing. I mean, I, and I, and I can say like, I'm sure you can, I'm good at it. I can, I can do, um, I can copyright with the best of them. And I'm really, really proud of that. But it's not like I'm looking at a, a website with all of my copy on there and feeling super duper Mm. proud. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just like a, okay, I did it that because there's always more, right? There's always going to be more. Whereas with editorial, especially if I'm allowed the privilege of writing a little bit about myself from the first person, um, those pieces are so, so satisfying. If, if If it feels like it's writing itself, copywriting just never really does that. Yeah. It's not inspired, I you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so a lot of people, no, scratch that. Like <laughs> all people are taking pictures um, with their yeah. smartphones. Totally. Um, food photography is a very specific skill set or is. like a specific modus operandi for, yeah. for um, taking photos. So. Can you give, without putting yourself out of a job, will you give some tips on how to use a smartphone to take a good shot yes. of food? Um, so first things first, overhead is the easiest to nail. Uh, don't go for any angles because you have to start bringing more factors into it. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, overhead is always the glory shot if you just need a quick snap and you also don't want to embarrass the guests that you're sitting with at the <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> goes a little quicker. Um, is it because it's focusing on, it has one plane of focus? It's one plane of focus okay. and for the, for the most part. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to worry that you're not focusing on the right thing yeah. or that like there's no problem with angle distortions, lens distortions. Right. Um, it's just easier. Mm-hmm. And it's easier to arrange things from a top-down view mm-hmm. and kind of also get the full picture of what you're photographing. Mm-hmm. Once you introduce the angle to it, it's like, what is the subject of this photograph? Um, especially with food. Like, yeah. if you're traveling, then the straight-on shot is usually better, I yeah. think. But, um, yeah, just go in for the overhead. And, That's good. Yeah. And watch for shadows, And right? watch for shadows, unless, you know, dark and moody is what you're going for. Yeah. But um, direct light is very trendy right now so it's so trendy no, don't necessarily shy away from it you have do you have a lot of direct light I stuff do, i feel like yeah. you do um most of my direct light the shadows are still very lifted so mm. there is that hard shadow but it's not like i don't know it's not like a dramatic italian sunset vibe yeah <laughs> yes right um unless it's for yes cocktail i do some pretty like <laughs> dramatic stuff for them because that's the vibe that they like yes but, yeah i do like direct light that's Bon Appetit. I feel like that there was a big start there with a lot of direct light, mm-hmm. harsh stuff yeah. that reads so well. But there was one guy in particular who was bringing that in. Um, Alex Yao, Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And so his stuff, I remember there was a piece that somebody did for them on burritos in the mission in San Francisco. And all of his shots of people, of food, they're all completely counterintuitive or counter what we're told to do with photography yeah mm-hmm. and it works and there's something gritty about it that's um yeah you, you know it just when I take a shot of something with a flash it looks horrible but he managed <laughs> yes. to do it really well yes well and that's like oh that's another thing never use your flash mm-hmm. um if you have the sun for direct light use that but don't try and recreate it yourself 
only you can do it with a I flash. can do that, yes, yes, but it's taken a lot of training to do that. <laughs> so I would I would avoid flash photography, yeah. especially for food. What about um, editing on a smartphone? Um, I don't really do any editing on a smartphone, but kind of the go-to um, edits to make are probably lift the exposure a little bit. Um, bring the highlights down, lift the whites up, bring the shadows up, and maybe lift the blacks down. And if anyone's used an editing software, they'll know, you know what those <laughs> settings mean. Um, yeah. Maybe a little sharpness, maybe a little saturation or vibrancy. Mm-hmm. Um, things will start to look good. You know what would be really fun, actually, is to have one image that I send off to like 12 different photographers just to see how they'd treat it. Yeah. That, that would, would be, be really fun. fun. <laughs> that would yeah. be cool. Oh, hmm, maybe I'll do that. Yeah. Maybe a local photographer's challenge. Yeah. Just to, and like, just, it's almost a portrait of them in a way. Yeah. What's your fingerprint right. on this? Yeah. That would be cool. Um, did I miss anything? Is there anything else that's happening coming up that you're excited about or? Um, what am I excited about? No, I just have kind of more, I feel like I, am just reaching this level where I'm feeling pretty confident about work continuously coming in. Yeah. It's good feeling. Um, and I kind of just reached that place. So I'm trying to get my, you know, business practices and place and the boring stuff figured out for my business. Um, so I'm just excited to cruise and, uh, enjoy the step I've reached for a little bit Mm -hmm. and then figure out what's next and yeah what part of the dreams to go for we don't celebrate that moment like we should yeah it's I think it's important to look back from where you came and realize you're in a place maybe you never even thought you could get to Mm -hmm. and just be willing to be like I'm gonna take a beat here like I know I want some bigger dreams than what I currently have, but this used to be the bigger dream and like, I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah. (laughs) Not live in like survival mode. Just, yeah. Relax a little bit. Just relax. Yeah. Get out of your own way. Yes. Oh my gosh. I kind of needed to hear that today. (laughs) Um, Mary, tell me if it was the last day that you spent on the planet Mm -hmm. and you were like, I've done so well. Um, Got all the clients I wanted, did all the editorial that I wanted to do and met all of the cool people. We don't talk about that nearly enough in our jobs, who we get to meet and be with and create with. Um, What would you eat and what would you drink and who would you spend it with? Yes. Um, So I prepared for this. Good girl. It was coming. Um, I would fly all of my, let's see, I would fly my husband, my dad, dog, my parents and brother, and all my girlfriends from college out to Via Corota in New York. Oh. And they can have whatever they want. I'm going to be eating Casha Pepe and their Sinar Negroni. Oh, Italian. <laughs> yes, Italian. Rome. All the way. Yeah, right. Oh. To be fair, though, on any other day, it might just be in an out burger. But, you know, <laughs> either would do. That could be your appetizer. Yeah, I exactly. I never think about it, but maybe on the last day of your life, we should, if you're able to, like, you know, have this fantasy with all your friends and you go out to New York and you fly and everything. Maybe we have the fantasy that our stomach has no size. And we can that just would be incredible. Taste all of Honestly, it. Honestly, that would be my superpower if given yes. a choice. Yeah. Just eat it all. Yeah. Mary, it's so fun to meet you Thank and you to so sit and talk. Thank you so much for having me. You're yeah. welcome. That's it for this episode of the Consumed Podcast. Consumed is produced and edited by me, Jamie Lewis. To learn more about my guests, to see their photos, to learn about live events, yes, live events, to join the Consumed mailing list, and more, 
visit letsgetconsumed.com.